Welcome to another SustainableWineBlog.com podcast with me, Toby Webb. And joining me in today's podcast, I'm delighted to say, is Sasha Radikon. So welcome to the podcast, Sasha. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm very good. The weather is nice. And yeah, thank you. Great. Well, thanks for your hospitality today and hosting me in your beautiful vineyard here in Oslavia in northeast Italy, very close to the Slovenian border. And for those listeners who don't know Radicon, uh, I recommend you look it up. Uh, it's what they call a cult wine. And uh, the history of this winery and, and your vineyard, Sasha, goes back a long time, doesn't it? So perhaps you could just give us a quick, uh, quick historical tour of Radicon. Yeah, sure. Um, our history is coming very back, but uh, about wine is starting in 19, 1979 with my father start bottling, uh, even if the, the farm uh, it was uh, founded uh, many years before in uh, 1920 when the father of my grandmother bought the house and the first vineyards and the first uh, crop coming and uh, just after World War I mainly. Um, after that, in, in, the, in the 90s, my father started to make um, uh, a natural wines, a natural way of of thinking and natural way of, of growing growing uh, grapes. We are doing this um, really without using any chemicals, any um, any nothing. And then uh, from from the same period, we start to do orange wines. And uh, for the listeners who don't know orange wines, and I'm just tasting my first ever glass of orange wine uh, now, despite having been into wine for 10 years or so, I've never actually had it before. So, Sasha, for our listeners, explain what, what an orange wine means for you. For me, orange wine, it's, uh, it's mainly, in the easy way to say it, it's, it's uh, white grapes fermented on the skins as to be red grapes. Then we try to extract everything out from the skins. We try to extract everything uh, which is grapes and uh, put this thing in, in the wine to have more fruity, more... Um, more of everything, more of, of all the taste of the grape inside of the wine, uh, trying to have um, um, a sweetness of the of the fruit inside of a wine. Well, it's, I've just had a sip. It's an extraordinary taste sensation because it's very intense, but it's also very cultured, very refined, and it has this wonderful finish. Uh, are these kinds of wines becoming more popular now? Is, is demand going up in general? Do you think for yeah, slowly? Okay, we, we it's more than it's from nineteen ninety five we're making this style of wines, and now the people and even the markets they are starting to to have more became more popular, and we we spend a lot of words to 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 let understand what what this kind of wine uh, can do. There's a very nice wines for for food for for the for the food pairing, you can really pair everything with, with these kind of wines. And um, they still, you can, you can do a lot of different uh, pairings, but even it's kind of a chain between reds and whites, then it can do everything what it's in the middle. Okay. And so just to backtrack for a second, you've got um, about 12 hectares of vines. Just talk us through the different grapes that you're growing and, and, and tell us what your production is, because you also make red wine as well. Yeah, we have uh, some different grapes, but mainly we have, uh, from the international grapes, we have Sauvignon, we have uh, Chardonnay, and we have Pinot Grigio, uh, and Merlot as a red grape. 
And uh, in the more our local grapes, we have mainly Tokai Friulano grapes and Ribola, which is our most important grape for the for these hills. And um, they are giving a lot of uh, now. There's a lot of speaking about Ribola, but uh, Ribola Jala borns and uh, survive on this uh, few hills around Gorica. And just explain to our listeners what you do with Merlot, because I've never come across a process of, that you do with Merlot that, 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 that I've seen anywhere else. So just give us an overview of how you work with it. The Merlot, it's a, it's a very small production for us. And this is why these grapes are giving us the chance to, to do whatever we like. And what we like is very long aging red wines. Uh, then we can we can really age the wines for a long long time. Then there's not a regular coming out for the for the Merlot. We just when is the moment for the new release? We go to the cellar, we taste two three vintages, and then we we sell that we think it's ready uh, for the for the production. We, the wine stays for five years in barriques at least, and at least five years in bottle. Then after that, after ten years, uh, we can start to think about selling it. Not before. And uh, I have to say, I've only had one of them. I had the 2001 Merlot. I thought it was extraordinary. Um, given your kind of natural wine credentials, do you find there's a bit of bottle variation sometimes creeping in? Do you get a bit of volatility in your wines, given your uh, non-interventionist approach? The, we are not using nothing on the wine. And uh, then the, uh, the natural way of thinking, it's, it's, it's very deep. But the non-intervention, it's not giving the chance to, to the wine to change too much between the bottles, just a little bit, as usually can happen with an old aging wines. Mm, they should be more or less the same, uh, even if sometimes the, the, it depends a lot about uh, the storage. Uh, we are sure that our storage is good, then there's not a problem, but uh, otherwise the wine should be more or less the same, even if it's natural. Natural world don't, it shouldn't be um, it should be still with good wine. Uh, I think always wine should be first good, then after that natural. So that's a good point because a lot of winemakers I meet get very angry at this idea of a natural wine as if it's an insult to their wine. Um, do you like the term natural wine? Do you like to, to call it what you make natural wine? And, and do, you, do you agree with them that um, you know, perhaps natural wine is looking down its nose at other, other forms of vinification. The, what I mean, natural wine, natural word, it's used for, for natural things. And then I think, really, I like the, the word, I like the thing to describe the natural word, wine. The thing is, sometimes we should understand what is natural, really. And um, for me, natural, it's uh, completely pure. And I think if you want to make natural wines, you should be natural in your mind first, and after that, uh, the wine can be natural. And there's no certification, no papers who can say your wine is natural uh, if your mind is not natural. There's not a paper you can you can say, oh, I'm natural because yeah. I have a certification or something like that. Is it a good thing that there is no certification for natural wine? No, it's not, it's not a good thing. It should be very difficult to find out the right way to certificate a natural way of thinking. Yes, I mean, organic, you know, is, is a set of rules. Biodynamic is a set of practices and then some philosophy on top. But natural seems to be kind of anything you want. That, that, that's what kind of annoys some winemakers. They think it's a kind of trendy, hipster, lazy winemaking. 
Um, but I can tell, having watched you in your vineyard just now, you're, you're not a lazy winemaker, <laughs> anything but. So is the problem that people just uh, interpret natural wine to mean, you know, just doing nothing? It's not doing nothing. For us, it's not. It's really, if you want to make a wine here, you should be in the vineyard, you should go there, you should walk in, and you should work on the on the vineyards, even because in our region we have a lot of rain, we have a lot of different kind of um, situations, you should be ready to to, to, to everything. And um, the big problem is if you want to think natural, if you want to, uh, you're, it's, you're not using chemicals, strong chemicals in the vineyards, which is uh, no, that, that's, that's what we do. It's not, the non-intervention here is not possible. It, it's, yeah. it can be possible in different regions, but not here. Yeah, you have a lot of rain, so you, you get mildew, you must get some pests. How do you control for that in a natural way? Are you using you know, biodynamic preparations, organic practices? What, what, how do you defend your grapes against, against uh, bugs? We have organic certification too, but it's, it's still organic practices. It's normal for us. We are just using uh, uh, copper and sulfur for the treatments. But uh, we are still using something more easy, more um, natural things. Like uh, we are using properly now six years. We are trying this product and uh, it's working very well for the first treatments. Uh, and then I'm very happy with this. It's very, very natural. And it's, it's, a, it's a sub product of Bivax. Wow. Then it's propolis. It's even used for, for um, human health and, uh, and all the stuff. And, uh, and then we are using another product, which is another product which is made with um, orange skins. It's now two years we are using this product, and I think will be a good help for us in the future. And it's working well, and it's still it's still working very 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 hard. But it's it's working well against a lot of things. So some people say that um, biodynamic wines have better acidity um, and better flavors. Do you agree with that? Um, how much do you follow the sort of principles and practices of biodynamics? And uh, and do you feel that the natural approach gives you more acidity in your wine? I think the good grapes can give me good acidity. And uh, what we are what, what we are doing, it's not biodynamic. It's even if I'm trying to understand how it's going, but um, it's a biodynamic. It's still a part of uh, kind of religion. Then at the moment uh, we don't uh, we don't need another one, and uh, I think that um, about acidity, about uh, things, if you work properly, you can have a good grapes. Uh, if you work um, in the right way, in I think in natural way too. But even if you work in the, in the right way, you can have the good grapes. You should wait for the maturation and all the stuff. If you have the right soil, it's it's a good thing to. You can have good grapes and acidity and all the stuff that's coming later. And can I ask you about your views on um, the climate? Because I, I just did a podcast with Andrea Feluga, who's telling me that in the last 20, 30 years, he thinks there's been a lot more volatility in the weather around here. What, what's your view on it? I mean, you've been making wine here, you said, 15 years, and your whole life you've been in this vineyard. So, what have you noticed when it comes to temperatures and weather volatility in the last 20 years? The problem is that um, the weather changed last 10 years mainly. I see that there was a big change. 
the but the big change it happens because uh, we have more intense for example more intense rain higher temperatures hot um that's a big difference even um years ago there was still kind of um was a warm summer and uh, but uh, it was a bit less warm and uh, even that period there was a storm but it was kind of smaller storms and now it's everything is harder everything is more more stronger and every year is completely different from the year before that's something you cannot really uh, focus on it it's very difficult to understand sometimes and is that affecting your yields I mean, a little bit. Yields are pretty small anyway. Yeah. A, a little bit. It's not affecting from the yields. It's a, the effect is coming because of different period of maturation of the grapes, mm -hmm. and then uh, if it's changing just a little bit during uh, during the season, growing season, it can change a lot in the in the harvest season, the har harvest period. Then uh, it can change a lot uh, about harvest. For example, this year we are going to to um, to harvest much earlier than usually. Uh, just because of the of the weather, uh, even if we had frost in the in April and all the stuff, but we still have uh, a lot of um, the the, grape, the grapes are all, almost ripe now. Okay, one final question. Um, lots of commentators who look at natural practices in agriculture, they say, oh well, it's all very nice for someone like Sasa Radicon has twelve hectares, has a nice family farm making lovely wines. But you couldn't do that with 120 hectares or 1,200 hectares of agriculture. And this seems to me to be the really big debate, is that you can have these pockets of amazing agricultural practice I think you have here, but could you do it at 10, 20, 30 times the size? If you want to multiply this size, you should multiply the people. And I am pretty sure that if you have the right people, you can do it bigger. Um, it's only about your mind, about what you think. It's obviously if you if you take people who work with you from uh, classic schools, it's more difficult to change their mind to natural way of growing. If you have uh, good um, good people around you who is open mind to this, then it can be made bigger. Uh, it can be made with with uh, with uh, even if with with low bigger fields and and bigger bigger vineyards. I guess the the, the problem might be that production would just be lower. Yeah, it should be lower. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be on the higher production. Uh, you can do it only smaller if 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 you want to do naturally. Obviously, the vintage can be a lot of differences between the production between different vintages. And it, obviously, it can be a different um, number of of, uh, uh, of bottles at the end. Right. Sometimes we produce less than. Okay, wonderful, okay. Sasha. Um, taking up enough of your time. Thank you so much for your uh, interview today on the podcast, and congratulations on the, on the great work you're doing. Thank you very much.